technically, it's still winter here in the triad, but this weather of late has us feeling like spring is not only right around the corner, but at times that it's already here, which means we're about to enter the hottest time in real estate. And perhaps now it's the perfect time to start talking to the Sharp Mortgage team about buying a home. When the market gets hot, being pre-approved for a mortgage loan first means that when your dream home hits the market, you're ready to make an offer. The Sharp Mortgage team has down payment assistance programs to make home ownership dreams possible for many in the Winston-Salem and Greensboro areas. They also specialize in construction lending, physician loans, and renovation loans too. Let the Sharp team prove to you how easy buying a home can be. Get started with an email to our friend Ashley McKenzie Sharp, ashley at sharploans.com, A-S-H-L-E-Y at sharp, S-H-A-R-P-E, loans.com, ashley at sharploans.com. This is the Triad Podcast Network. I'm Algernon Cash, and you're locked in. It is the beginning of a new month, so that means, yes, another roundtable conversation every month. I look forward to being able to pull together a roundtable conversation about the state of business and politics right here in North Carolina. And I'm always very proud to just bring you some really, really great guests who are very knowledgeable about what's going on around the state of North Carolina. And this month, we've got another great conversation. Um, So let me introduce my guests. I'm going to start off with Ramsey Hamadi, who is the CEO of Triad Business Bank. Um, Ramsey, this is your inaugural visit on the Locked In Show, so thank you for making time for this. This is really good. Um, and then we've got some repeat guests. We've got Robbie Perkins, who's the market president over at NAI, um, very high-powered uh, commercial real estate broker doing great things right here in the Carolina core. And then we also have state representative Jeff Zinger, who is also a small business owner, but he's representing House 74 over in Forsyth County. Gentlemen, thank you all for locking in today. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I mean, just to kick into it, I know we got a roundtable of very busy guys, so we'll just start it right off. Um, you know, I'm very, I continue to be very bullish about what's happening around the state of North Carolina right now. I mean, it just seems like we keep getting big announcement after big announcement, a lot of people, a lot of capital flowing into our state. And, you know, I try to use this conversation to just keep my audience informed about all the great things happening in their backyard. I want to start off with Robbie, because Robbie, you always seem to know what's getting ready to happen before it happens. So you know the headlines at least a couple of days in advance. Um, give us an idea of what's going on recently now with um, the state of the commercial real estate market. Is, is industrial still on fire? Well, Algernon, we are on fire. This state is, uh, it, it, we're going to have new people move here every day. And North Carolina is, uh, is really, uh, I think, taking advantage of its positive business climate. Uh, we have uh, wonderful infrastructure, wonderful place to live. Uh, but I think over the past few years, our elected officials have positioned the state in a way that attracts business to North Carolina. We're always at the top of every national list about recruiting new businesses into the state and capital investment and and that trend uh, was strong in 2022, and we expect to continue the trend in 2023. And particularly in the Piedmont Triad, we've got huge announcements from 
Toyota and Boom Supersonic and VinFast and, you know, Wolf Speed, all in this Central Carolina core area. Uh, and uh, it's just a tremendous uh, uh, sea change for, uh, for the state. You know, Robbie, I want to dig into a point that you just made. You talked about how North Carolina shows up on all the lists. And, and, and I see the various lists, whether it's Forbes and all these various companies to put together lists all around the country. How, how for my audience that may not really understand the, the context of how they come up with those lists, how important is that really for North Carolina? How important is it to show up on these national rankings? Well, when you're showing up with Texas and Georgia and, and, uh, you know, Tennessee and, and states where 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 you've got a positive business climate, uh, that that's the list that you want to be on. Uh, and, and you see the, the figures of population change around the country, uh, the migration from some of the northeastern or midwestern states to the southeast. And it, it really is a, 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 an endorsement of the health of our economy and the way our state's being run. And the, uh, the the positive attitude and can-do attitudes of North Carolinians. You know, Representative Zinger, it sounds like he's singing your praises. Um, the the Republican-led General Assembly has been very, very busy, not just in the latest couple of sessions, but really going back all the way to 2012 when they were awarded the leadership. Um, what's the legislature doing to make sure we keep showing up on these national rankings that Robbie's talking about? Well, you're, you're absolutely right in terms of what happened. And you go back and you look at where the state was when Republicans took over. We had a tremendous amount of debt. We had all kinds of issues. And, and we've really worked diligently over these 10 or 12 years to, to make it business friendly. And we're being rewarded with that. You know, it was just announced the other day we've got $3.25 billion surplus. Mm. Um, that didn't happen by accident. There's a lot of issues out there that we're trying to get in front of. We keep having businesses come I'm announcing more jobs, more jobs. But, you know, the issue for us that, that we're we're trying to, you had said that Robbie is kind of a living ahead. Well, we're trying to do the same thing. And so one of the issue, two issues that I think are going to be very, very big and are very, very big. Is one is manpower. And number two is housing. Um, you know, we're going to have a, we have a lot of jobs coming here to North Carolina that um, they, they need more than a college education, but they don't need a college or more in a high school education, but they don't need a four-year college degree. And so you're going to see the legislature is going to continue to be pushing into the community college system to help us meet those, those needs that have qualified employees to go in and take these jobs at Boom and Toyota and all these places that are coming. Secondly, you know, one of the things that we're really working on and I'm playing a big part in is um, trying to figure out how we create more opportunity for housing and affordable housing. Housing has gotten really out of control um, in terms of the cost. Um, I think the the uh, new home construction, basically, you're starting to about $300,000 to get into the market. And so that's a big issue. Also, workforce housing. And so we're trying to be proactive and stay in front of that. Um, the last thing that we need to stay in front of is also energy needs. Um, our energy, you know, we had a million and a half people move here in the last 10 years, and they all would like to turn on their lights and you know, be able to do, enjoy everything. And so I'm on the energy commission, um, any energy and uh, utilities committee this year. And I'm glad to be a part of that, but those are kind of the three big hot button things that we need to do as a legislature to continue to stay in front of, um, uh, the needs that are going to come with all this great growth. Yeah. Representative, not only do they like to turn on their lights and their microwaves and TVs, but they like to do it all at the same time. That's and right. they, and they, and they expect it to all work at the same time as, as <laughs> yep. well. But, um, 
You just talked about a $3 billion um, budget surplus. It, it, it just seems like even going back to COVID 2020, when we all thought there would be a huge deficit here in the state of North Carolina, the, the state is just awash in cash. I mean, it's coming out of everywhere. And you, you still have more money coming from the feds related to the COVID relief funds that are still coming, it's still being transferred to North Carolina. What's the legislature talking about in terms of reinvesting that money right now? What, what are some of the ideas that are on the table? Well, all of that, it, it's, it's really, listen, um, and uh, Robbie, Robert really in, uh, touched on this. It's trying to stay in front of our infrastructure needs. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff for water and sewer around uh, the state. Um, hot, you know, we're, I had a conversation this morning with one of my colleagues about funding transportation. You know, we've got transportation needs. And so trying to stay in front of all of those infrastructure needs is really, um, is really where we're, we're, where we're going to have to put a bunch of that um, money because we don't want to have people come here and then get here and, you know, not have the infrastructure set up, not have the people to fill the jobs, not have people qualified to fill the jobs. And so that's where you're going to see the big push from the legislator side. You know, Ramsey, you're over at Triad Business Bank, um, relatively a new bank. We want to make sure we give you guys a plug. Um, you guys actually came, um, you opened during COVID, survived right. COVID and seem to be thriving. You've got a great group of people over there. I've had a chance to sit down with some of them. Um, you're really talking to businesses on a day-by-day basis. Right. What's right. what's the confidence level right now amongst small business owners? You know, the business owners, uh, they have strong balance sheets. They have lots of liquidity. And there's an awareness that the Fed is, is raising interest rates really with the intent of slowing the economy and, and tampering down some of the growth. That uh, that we've seen driving the inflation, driving the the consumer price and the and the producer prices upwards, but quietly all of them are very optimistic. So the the businesses have very strong asset quality. Their their businesses are are flowing well, and you know of course our concentration is very much here local, uh, in the triad or within the, the this region. And so all of the things that, that Robbie, uh, Jeff were talking about, this is a, a very strong market, very strong area. But, um, you know, so they're, they're taking a, a cautious uh, a, a across the board. The, your businesses are being cautious about growth and what things that they get into, but they're, they're also quietly very optimistic. So recently, I'm recording our financial podcast and talking with Jennifer Johnson of Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. And the phrase hits us, debt-free in 2023. Makes for a good headline. But we can all admit it's pretty aggressive. Even if that's unrealistic, you can still make this the year you get serious about your financial goals. Saving for retirement, saving for your child's college education, those might be realistic. Now, where do you go? You could do a web search and get 10 different answers, or you could go to a professional who knows your financial goals and concerns and treats you like a friend. We believe the best financial advice flows from a comprehensive plan with a local advisor committed to seeing you achieve your financial goals. If this sounds like it's for you, you can check out Three Magnolias Financial Advisors right here in Winston-Salem. Their website is 3magnoliasfinancialadvisors.com. You can learn more there or you can give them a call, 336-701-1600, and schedule a complimentary introductory meeting. 
Be comfortable with your financial future. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Retirement, financial planning, and investments. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Three Magnolias Financial Advisors. Three Magnolias Financial Advisors and Satara Advisor Networks are not affiliated. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. What do you hear about labor? Whenever I'm talking to business owners, and I, it doesn't, you know, at one point, Ramsey, I only heard about it when I was talking to restaurant owners. Now, it, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to a CPA, an attorney, it, uh, nonprofits. I mean, across the board, everybody's complaining about labor. Well, they are, but I, I think that's also part of what's kind of driven into the prices. Um, in middle of 2021 and into 2022, uh, we started seeing for the first time businesses going from holding their prices and just operating on thinner margins to uh, you know, a mindset where they, they realized, okay, they have to start passing those costs on. And what they found is that that the businesses on the other side or the consumers on the other side of their their um, what they were producing were willing to start accepting price hikes. And that's something that that was very resistant in our economy for for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And um, and now you're you're seeing some acceptance. And um, and so it is and, and I think it is business to business. Obviously, the the uh, retail food industry is, you know, that's that's the most difficult area for a lot of smaller businesses to pass that price on. And um, but uh, you start getting into the, you know, businesses that produce or manufacture, or, you know, in general, their their prices are up. And in a lot of cases, they're you know, it hasn't hurt or in some cases even helping their profitability. Yeah, consumers seem to be absorbing those extra price shocks right now. We got, we're we all curious how long they'll continue to absorb those price increases before they start to push back. Robbie, Representative Zinger talked a little about a little bit about transportation. Um, you, you know, you're you're a big proponent of economic development here in the state. I think transportation is a driving variable for economic development in any state. Um, I know this is a conversation we've been having in North Carolina for a long time. Here in Greensboro, here in our backyard. There's been some big improvements in terms of transportation. What does that mean in terms of job creation and then just to the everyday person? Well, we're fortunate that we've had uh, uh, our urban loop recently completed within the last uh, 60 days. You can drive 47 miles around Greensboro on an urban loop. And that creates all sorts of opportunities for job growth. For example, I don't think that we would have landed Publix and their 2 million square foot distribution center on the east side of Greensboro without the urban loop. Uh, all, of, all of that plays into the transportation infrastructure. Uh, for example, Publix uh, said that they save millions of truck miles a year uh, keeping in mind that they'll have about a thousand tractor trailers coming to that facility every every day, um, but saving millions of truck miles because of the location close to that loop, and mm. and you see that played out dozens of different examples about how businesses can can flourish because of connection. Uh, the single biggest beneficiary in terms of a geographic area to the Greensboro Urban Loop is probably Rockingham County. You think about the connection down 29 from Reedsville. And uh, 
uh, that and, and getting to the airport to Piedmont Triad Airport, that is a huge deal. The connectivity of 73 back up to Madison and Eden is is causing an explosion in Rockingham County, in Southern Rockingham County. Uh, and the same is true as you, you connect I-74 back down to Randolph County in Ashboro. Mm. Uh, you're seeing a, 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 an explosion in economic growth. Uh, so I, I expect that will continue. Now, we've got to work on getting our water and sewer. As Jeff said, we've got to have water and sewer in these rural areas so that there's uh, 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 they can take advantage of these transportation arter- arteries. If you can't flush a toilet, you can, certainly can't put a manufacturing plant in. Yeah, you know, and it, when you look around the region, Robbie, at least to try it specifically, it just feels like Greensboro has sort of stepped out sort of leaps and beyond here. I mean, in terms of the transportation infrastructure, the airport, just some of those kind of infrastructural needs that you you have to have as you know as foundational for economic growth. I mean, is it is it right to say that Greensboro is now the leader in the triad? Uh, you know, I think the triad is the leader in the triad. Uh, I, I, and and uh, you know, we're the beneficiary of having three really cool cities that all of whom are putting large dollars into their their central business areas hmm. to make them cool and neat. So you got to have the transportation, you got to have the water and sewer, but you've got to have a place that people think are cool because that's what differentiates you from your competition. And if you've got a, a great place to eat in downtown, a place that you can go to a show, uh, street festivals, ballparks, and, and we've got them all in Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and High Point, uh, you can, you can uh, it, it increases the quality of life in an area. And, and that's what folks are looking for. Yes, they're making good money in their jobs, but when they're off, they want to enjoy themselves. And they want to spend some of that money. And we're set up to, 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 for that. Uh, people are used to, in the, in the areas that we're competing with, they're used to first-class entertainment venues, and we've got to, we've got to match it here, along with the transportation. You, you know, Ramsey, over at Triad Business Bank, I mean, you guys are covering the whole region. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts right now when you look at Winston, Greensboro, High Point, in comparison to one another? Not necessarily trying to create that competition, but do you, do you see a clear leader, or is it more, more I think, balanced? I think Robbie's spot on in terms of the the entire area is on fire. Uh, we, we looked at some data and we're, we're, we're commissioned to do it again in, in 2023, but we looked at 2019 and 2021 uh, in terms of the businesses and the, the growth in businesses. And, um, you know, we've historically, we've, we've had kind of an aging market where the textile, the furniture, the manufacturing, the tobacco industry have, have given up a lot of jobs over the years. But um, we actually saw a strong growth in, in the businesses and it's happening in the small businesses. We got about 10,500 businesses in the three cities and the, the surrounding area. Um, about 1.2 million of the 1.7 million people in the the whole Piedmont Triad. Uh, about 1.2 million live in these these two counties and specifically in the the three cities in the surrounding area. And in in those areas, we saw we saw 300 new businesses kind of enter that that we went from about 10,200 to 10,500 businesses. Now mm-hmm. they are predominantly the smaller 
sized businesses. So the they this study we did uh, commission, it, it looked at revenue per business. And so predominantly the growth is in the one to five million uh, sales businesses. But what's so exciting about what you what you let off your show is, you know, for the first time, we're starting to see some of these larger businesses with Toyota and Boom Jet and, and you were mentoring the, the battery company that's expanding. You know, we're starting to see some larger businesses mm. and uh, it'll be interesting to see if that growth, you know, holds up in that area because, uh, you know, that'll that'll change sort of the the uh, the top line growth number in jobs, you know, much quicker than as as it's you know these green shoots have been primarily on the small small businesses evolving, and that's the lifeblood of our economy is those small businesses. Right. Uh, if we can marry that up with with growth in the larger businesses, um, you know, then I, then I think we're going to see the same kind of economic demographics that we see out of Charlotte and Raleigh and down into Charleston. I think you're seeing those same kind of, uh, you know, leading in the nation type of growth rates. Yeah. Small business is the backbone of, of any state in, in the, in the country. And I know that my good friend representative Zinger agrees with that. You're also a small business owner. You're a home builder, um, um, Jeff. And you talked a little bit about housing just a moment ago. I, I think housing is probably the, the number one issue right now in our state. And even, even when you go around and poll the people, um, it, it polls number one every time. I mean, it's the thing that people are most concerned about. And as we keep recruiting companies, more and more people want to move to North Carolina. They all need a place to stay. And then you have the people that actually are here that need a place to stay. What are some of those ideas that you're floating around about reforming housing here in North Carolina? Well, it's really interesting. You know, you're, you're right. Housing is a big deal. And when you start to see um, things come together in Raleigh, a lot of people look at uh, bipartisanship or partisanship as, you know, two different sides. It's really more of a circle. And at some point, the sides move together and they start to, to come. And what we're seeing and what I'm seeing in Raleigh is, is this is now a bipartisan issue. We've got to do some stuff. So we're looking at some different ways. I'm I'm a firm believer that the best way to tackle stuff is private sector. Private sector can reproduce quicker. Private sector will give us the best bang for the buck, um, and they can respond faster to the marketplace uh, than government. And so what I've done is I've pulled together a bunch of folks in Raleigh, and we're looking at some different um, ways to incentivize um, some private sector um uh, and public uh, partnerships uh, to go ahead and start to hit some of these um, these markets with some housing that will be, um, you know, like uh, we, this is the way I describe it is if the buying a house is the first rung on the ladder, we need to create the half rung mm. so that it's not, you know, it can't be housing that that's the final destination. It needs to be housing that that's the start of your economic um, uh, career, if you will, or, as you move up the ladder. And so we've got a number of people that are really excited about that. In fact, I had a terrific meeting last week with the North Carolina um, Housing Financing Agency, I believe they're called. I've had several with them. Got some more. You know, as soon as we're done this, I'm out of here and on my way to Raleigh. But we got a few more meetings there, too. Additionally, we want to try to do, you know, not everybody is wants to or is about home, home ownership. Yeah. So what do we do for workforce housing? You know, we like to go out to eat. We like to do all these different things and all of them have employees or where do they live? And so we're also taking a look at that and, you know, being in real estate and development and building business. 
um, it kind of gives me a, a little bit of an inside track. And so I've pulled together other builders and developers that are in Raleigh and said, hey, you guys, we all know how this works. Let's start to pull something together. I hope to have a build to introduce in the next uh, two to three weeks that'll be a pilot program to really try to jumpstart some affordable housing. Timing is everything in life. And I'm certainly hoping that my timing is right to deliver this message to you from the Ginther Group, a triad real estate team with a vast local knowledge. What's the question you often ask yourself when it comes to buying or selling a home? Is this the right time? Buyer's market, seller's market, low interest rates, high interest rates, doesn't matter. The answer can always be yes. You just have to strategize appropriately. And we provided many of those guides in our podcast with Blake Ginther and his team right here on this same feed. But here's a new one offered by the Ginther Group. Let's say you want to sell, but your home condition isn't ideal for a competitive marketplace. They've got a program that can help called Renovate Now, Pay Later. That's right. If your home is a little rough around the edges, you can make the improvements now and pay at closing when you sell. Contact the Ginther Group at 336-283-8689 or visit theginthergroup.com to learn more and see if it's an option for you. You can also talk to them about other helpful resources like their first-time homebuyer seminar or a real estate wealth management consultation. Whatever you need, contact them today and like me, you can become a Ginther Group client for life. You know, Representative, I think if we had other members of the private sector on this roundtable today, they would all agree um, in unison that the private sector is prepared to do just about anything to create housing. Um, Jason Ewing over at Sugar at Homes, good friend of mine, we're always talking about ideas about how we can expand the housing stock. What I normally see is is that we have local government, and then we also have this nimbyism that that, that exists inside of local cities that's really preventing more high-density housing development, which could bring down the cost of housing. Is the General Assembly prepared to really address local government's um, obstruction and then also just activist residents that have this sort of nimbyism going on? You have swerved right into it. So last <laughs> week, last week I chaired, um, I'm chairman of the Regular Reform Committee, and um, last week or the week before, I had two presentations presenters come. One was Tim Minton from the Home Builders Association. One was Andy Allen from the Retail um, Merchants Association. And they were all talking about the effects of, of um, regulation and what it was costing them. And we were really fascinating. When we were in, um, when we were talking about the housing thing, everybody was engaged. And of course, this is a bipartisan committee, right? And the number one issue in the discussion, I had people on the far left and I had people on the far right in agreement mm. and saying, we've got to deal with the local municipalities and their um, the nimbyism like you're talking about. And how are we going to address that? And then one person even piped up and said, you know, it's even the HOAs. They've mm. kind of gotten out of hand. And so what they'll all say is, oh, we want affordable housing, but we want them in your neighborhood. We want them in your town. We don't want them here. And so it's a huge issue. It's not going to be tackled easy. I've got a meeting this week with... Um, with the uh, Commissioner's Association and I think it's Thursday, the Commissioner's Association and the um, League of Municipalities. And, you know, this will be topic number one. You know, how do we how do we deal with this? Because this is a gigantic problem. And I've got people, it's interesting, I've got elected officials at the local level that are coming to me kind of, you know, stealth and saying, we got to deal with this, but they're not stepping out and saying it, you know, out front because it's a it's a lightning rod. You know, Robbie, you're a former mayor. 
you you spent a lot of time leading Greensboro. You've seen some of this stuff firsthand. Where is that balance between local government being able to control what's going on with housing and some of the zoning, and then the state needing to step in to, to make sure that they're not being obstructionists? Well, I think in the case of Greensboro, Greensboro has been very progressive and aggressive in terms of, of zoning and land use for housing. So I'm very proud of the, uh, the leadership and the, uh, the planning folks in Greensboro uh, to recognize that density is important. Uh, and, uh, and they've zoned a lot of property. The, 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 the bottleneck in, in Greensboro is that we don't have the uh, approval authorities, the, the inspectors and, and, and those folks, they're aging out. It's an aging. Mm. And so they're not able to hire the folks to, to get the housing through the pipeline. Uh, so there needs to be some thought of how we might use the private sector to, to approve some of the uh, product that needs to be delivered. Uh, I also think, I mean, we've got, a, 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 in my view, a landmark case going in Summerfield right now uh, with David Couch wanting to do, a, and frankly, and I'm, a, I'm a proponent, a world-class economic development deal uh, involving housing in Summerfield. And he just got turned down four to one. He's been working on this thing for five years. And mm. in my view, it's absolutely necessary for the prosperity of the airport to continue to have Mr. Couch's subdivision move uh, in a positive direction. So it's uh, uh, it, it's it's uh, something that we, we've got to deal with. And frankly, I, I think the only only body in our state that can it can make a difference and, and improve it is the state legislature. You know, Robbie, I'm starting to run out of time. I do want to work in one last question for you, though. Um, when I when I ride around town, I, and in fact, when I was coming back from Columbia, South Carolina over the weekend, I stopped and rode around Charlotte a little bit. I still see a lot of empty office buildings. What What's the status right now with, with our office sector coming out of COVID? Well, I think uh, I think the whole triad has uh, more office space that we can absorb over the next 20 years. Mm. Uh, so reuse is going to be the word. Uh, uh, some of the buildings are going to be torn down. Some of them are going to be modified to housing. Uh, but I don't think that the supply that's out there right now is ever going to be absorbed as true office space again. Uh, so I think we're going to have to be creative. And I think uh, uh, people are going to have to recognize that, you know, you just can't hope that an office building, especially in the large floor plate buildings, are going to be released again. Uh, and uh, it's a trend that we're seeing all across the country. Uh, but there, there will be ways to convert some of those buildings into to, to, to different uses, or they're going to have to come down. Does this mean we won't see any, like, new office construction for a very long time, or...? Yeah, I don't think you'll see a lot of new office construction outside of the medical area. I think medical medical uh, construction and office is has got a bright future. I think you're going to see a number of those facilities go up across the triad. Uh, but the the days of the the large footprint, twenty five thousand square foot or over office facilities uh, being built, particularly on a speculative basis, that's not going to happen. Yeah, Ramsey, one last question for you as well, man. I, I recently had a piece that got published in the Carolina Journal. Um, I'm saying that we may see a mild recession at some point this year. Um, what are you seeing on the on the horizon? Um, as I mentioned, I think the Fed is pushing for a slowdown. And, um, you know, the most recent 
inflationary rates, the PPI and the CPI numbers have come in. And, and uh, so they, they are not yet showing that they are under control. So I, I think right now the conventional wisdom is that interest rates are going to continue to go up. I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty as to where they Fed stops, how high it goes. Uh, you know, I'm, I think quietly in inner circles, they probably regret, you know, projecting a 5% cap on the, the interest rates because I think it's quite likely they're going to have to go higher. So mm-hmm. I, I think eventually, you know, it, it, you mentioned that that the consumer and I think it's going to hit hardest and first, the, the savings rates are already negative and, uh, you know, you start digging through the data a little bit more and you realize it's it's low and moderate income. You know, I think uh, consumers that are going to are going to feel it the hardest and earliest. And, and so I, I do think a recession's coming. I, I couldn't begin to tell you how soon uh if you look historically there's uh, anywhere from a 6 to an 18 month uh the last nine recession recessions uh when the fed is sort of done uh raising rates somewhere between 6 and and uh 18 months following there have been slowdowns economic slowdowns so yeah i think it's coming although the question is how much more work does the fed have before they get there um, there's, you know, unprecedented amount of liquidity that has been in the system. Well, we have seen a lot of that liquidity run off. Hmm. Uh, banks, you know, in terms of wholesale funding year over year, uh, banks have a 45% increase in terms of the the funding they've gotten outside of the uh, the con- uh, commercial and consumer uh, depositors. So. Wow. The, yes, cash is flowing out of the system, and I, I think that's an early telltale sign. Wow. Uh, Representative, I'm going to close with you. Um, not rarely does Republicans in the General Assembly agree with Governor Cooper, um, but just recently they came to an agreement and passed Medicaid expansion. I know you voted against the bill, but tell my, tell my audience a little bit about what's going on with Medicaid expansion. Well, it's it's going to happen. They just announced on Thursday or Friday that the Senate and the House have both agreed on a bill, and the governor is going to sign whatever they whatever they send them. And so that's coming. Um, you know, I've got a. We need a whole show to explain to you all the stuff that I talked about. But you know, here's the bottom line: is is every state um, that has done it has said, oh, we'll have 600,000, we'll have 700,000, whatever. It ends up being, you know, 500,000, 500,000 more people than that. And so it's going to be, it's going to be big. Um, it's coming, whether <clears throat> I'm skeptical that it's going to do everything that it says it's going to do, because quite frankly, the reason we're in the spot right now is because Obamacare didn't do everything it said it was going to do. Mm. And so, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes, but it's going to pass. Um, There'll be a concurrence vote. I don't know when, but I imagine it'll be pretty soon. And I expect that you will hear the the governor tonight at the state of the state address, you know, championing, you know, expanded government. Well, Republicans and the governor on the same page, finally, on at least one issue. That that is um that's amazing. But I I I'm certainly on record, even in the Carolina Journal, saying that when you've got a federal government that's facing $32 trillion in debt, you you really have to question whether or not the federal government's going to be able to continue to help North Carolina to actually fund this program 
into perpetuity. So that is something that we'll have to come back to. I may take you up on your offer, Representative. Next roundtable might just be a Medicaid-focused um, conversation next month. So thank you for that for that show idea. To my audience, thank you for joining us. I always enjoy pulling together these roundtable conversations. Believe it or not, I learn a lot just by moderating the conversation and listening to these smart guys. So I know you learned a lot today as well. Thank you to my guests. I encourage my audience to go follow, find these folks, go check out Triad Business Bank. They would love to do business with you. Um, follow Representative Zinger. He is always updating people on what's happening down at the General Assembly. And if you are in the market to sell land, buy buildings, you need a lease, any of those things, Robbie Perkins over at NAI, they really, really want to help you. Um, make sure you also continue to stay tuned to WTOB because every Sunday morning, that is where the Locked In Show broadcasts. But if you happen to miss me there, hopefully you're subscribed to my podcast and you can download that at Apple, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your favorite podcast, you can lock in there. Make sure you continue to follow Algernon Cash on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And until next time, y'all stay locked in. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode on the Triad Podcast Network. Our mission is simple. Provide information, advice, and stories about the people and places that make the North Carolina Triad such a great place to be. You can find us by searching Triad Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much wherever you like to listen. If you like what you heard and want to support the show and those that contribute, we would truly appreciate a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It helps spread the word along, as do your shares on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Triad Podcast. To get in touch with us, simply email info at triadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. This is the Triad Podcast Network.